Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. How many of you guys remember about a year ago we prophesied something over this house? And we said we are the storm. Nah. I'll tell you what number it is on the podcast link so you could hear it. But we prophesied over this house that whatever storms might come, remember that as we face all storms, we are the storm. Hey, hey, why don't you look at someone, shake them up a little bit. It's Sunday, it's fun day. It's, it's a day to rejoice, a day to smile. It's not a day to be so serious. And tell them this, say, say we are the storm. Yeah, that's so good. You know, I was thinking about this for a moment. I was thinking about when the, can we just have some fun today? We're gonna, we have a lot, we have a big message, a long message. It's a lot of verses, so you need to bear with me today. I'm giving you two weeks' messages in one today. So, so it's going to be a lot, but, but before I get into it, you know, I was thinking about when Jesus had church with the disciples. I was just thinking about it. And, and one of the popular church services that Jesus had, one of the very popular church services that Jesus had was five loaves of bread and two fish, right? We've preached that here. We know that story. If you don't, you should read it. It's a good story. But with five loaves and two fish, he fed thousands of people, um, over 5,000, that's for sure. You might look at that and say, impossible. It needs to be a miracle. But the reality is it was a miracle, and it was possible in God, in Christ who was there. And, and I'm thinking about that day. I don't think that was a somber moment. I mean, it was, it was really tense. It was, it was really hot. It was, it, there was a lot going wrong for Jesus and his, and his crew uh, because people were hungry and people were traveling and people needed the miracle worker to do a miracle, and yet there was no miracle to be found yet. And, um, and, and out of nowhere, five loaves and two fish become food to feed thousands of people. I'm thinking that church on that day was a lot of fun. What do you guys think? There's no way they were just bored. There was no way that they were just like, yeah, today was cool. No, no. It must have been so cool to brag about Jesus. Like, I mean, the disciples, I think the whole thing was not necessarily for the crowd. I believe the whole thing was really for the disciples to strengthen their faith. But, but I could just imagine the disciples when they were picking up the leftovers and the, and, and the buckets were still full from the leftovers. I'm thinking that they were walking amongst the, 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 the crowds of people, kind of like today, right? And, and pretend this is a box of, of, of five loaves and two fish. And I'm just thinking as they were coming around, like, excuse me, hey, my, 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 my God is bad. Look at this. And just showing off, right, of how, how bad my God is is and hey, look at this you know I'm leaving with leftovers and I'm trying to get over there to see what Jesus wants to do with all the left and they're walking through the crowd and, and they're trying to get through and you could just almost imagine like hey check this out G- this is not the first time he does it too yo you should have seen he, he resurrects um, dead people you know they're dead for days in a, in a cave and he calls them by name and he, they, they wake up and they come back my, my God is bad he's, he's a good God when I say God is good Right, everyone says all the time, like, I'm, I'm going to show off a little bit about what my, I'm thinking that what happened was when they were collecting the, 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 the fish and all the leftovers, I'm thinking that as they were walking through the crowd, they were also showing off of how good their God is. Amen. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is show off how good God is. You know what I'm saying? I don't know where this goes. All right. Just 
show off. Church is fun. Hey, how many of you have a, have a, have a testimony and a miracle of just this last week? Betsy, real quick, say, what is it? Show it off. What is it? This is crazy church. Welcome all the visitors, all the guests. Thank you for coming today. What is it? She forgot it. All right, anyone? God is good. One thing, hurry. Your grandmother was healed. That's right. We thought, can I say? We thought her leg was going to get amputated. But a bunch of prayer warriors came in agreement with you and they said, we're not going to amputate that leg. <laughs> Grab the bucket, walk around the crowd and tell them my grandmother's leg is still in place. Come with me to Abuela's house. I'm going to show you that my God is good. Come on, what is it? A girl who was raped came to know the Lord. It's good. Hey, oh my God is done. Whatever, let's get into the word. I just feel like church should be like that. You know, we structure it up so much. Like, don't, don't say it about the girl that was raped. No, tell them about the girl that was raped and now knows the Lord. Tell them about the grandmother whose leg needed to be amputated. Tell them how her leg is still in place. That's what church is. Come on, can I get an amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this message today. I know you're going to speak to us. I know you're already speaking to us, Lord. And I just pray that as we jump into this, you would do something mighty. Thank you that we're, we made it through Irma, the hurricane safely, some, some trees down, some fences down, some minor damage. But we're safe. We're okay. And there's so much more that are hurting, so much that are in pain. And we're going to, our church is going to try with other churches and other organizations and just other good humanitarians to go out there and just try to serve and, 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 and give supplies and, and raise up funds and, and try to give to those that are in need. And, and we pray for the keys and we pray for Texas. And, and Lord, we know that, that even in all of this, Lord, you could be glorified and, and show however present you still are in the midst of such circumstances. So we, we won't and we do not stop praying for them, Lord. But, Lord, I just pray that as well that today that you would speak such a powerful word into our hearts and that you would um, just do miracles even today as we are just sitting here together and, and receiving from your word. We love you, Lord. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Together we say amen, amen. If you have your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And as you turn there, I kind of want to give you a little update of what's happening here. We are in a series called I Am 10, and it's going to enter us into our 10-year celebration as we have a gala and all that good stuff, a documentary that's going to be um, released that you guys are going to enjoy about the history of our church and all that. It's going to be real cool and um, just God glorifying and the miracle that God has done. But in the midst of all this, um, we, we've decided to, to say, okay, we're going to grab 10 messages that really pierced through those years that were that were very monumental for every single year that our church has been out and 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 just revisit them together um, as a body and today what we're going to talk about is um, a message that is titled welcome to our world welcome to our world I, I shared this message in 2009 and I was sharing earlier that that you know when we preached this message in 2009 it was a totally different world than it is today in 2017 and, and, and it's quickly, the world is quickly just changing as we go. But what I did was we, we went in 2009 through such a period of, of discussion on spiritual warfare. And, and it was, I, I still remember it, it was such a special moment. Week after week after week after week, we, we just spent time teaching on spiritual warfare and what it looks like um, in this world. Because, you see, what happens is, there is a whole other world that is just as real or even more real than the world that you are currently living in right now. 
I'm talking about some freaky stuff, like another dimension and dimensions that you can't even wrap your mind around. There are dimensions around us that you can't even fathom and even think of. I mean, it's real, it's biblical, it's found all over the scripture. And I'm not talking about sci-fi weird things. I'm talking about supernatural, spiritual things, host of wickedness, angelic beings. There is a heaven, there is a... I mean, you guys get what I'm saying? I mean, one day our earth will be destroyed. You can't say that. Of course it will. Of course it will. The Bible says that all of this will perish. And then there will be a new earth. There will be a new heaven. And then comes a new Jerusalem that will fall on the new earth. Trust me when I tell you all of this right here is going not, it's going to get worse. But it needs to get worse so that it could get a whole lot better. Come on. So there is a spiritual world out there. I want to make sure everyone understands that. There is warfare out there. I want you all to understand that. I know that in this room there are some of you that have wrestled and have had encounters and you just know by living a life of prayer and living long enough that there is a spiritual world and there are forces of darkness that we wrestle against every day of our lives because we stand for what is light. Because we stand for what is true. How many of you can confess, yeah, I know that there is darkness in this world. Even in the midst of such light, we could see that that light, man, sometimes it penetrates through darkness and we, and, we, and we sense it. And I love it. You know, I don't have time to preach everything I preached in six weeks. I'm trying to do it all today, one section of it. But the truth is there's a promise in the Bible that where there is light, there cannot be found any darkness. Darkness is not more powerful than light. Right now, you can't tell darkness to enter this room. You know why? Because the light is on. As long as the light is on, darkness cannot overpower it but if you come into a place of darkness and the light is turned on it doesn't matter how on the darkness is it automatically shuts off when light is on because light is always more powerful than darkness and if you are a child of light you have a power over this darkness over this dimension of the demonic how many of you could say amen so that's good Sometimes I, I fear my own flesh more than I do the enemy because I get it. I understand this whole darkness stuff and light stuff. I, we're, what we're going to sit on today is, is really the whole armor of God. And it's, 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 that's what we're going to be studying today because I feel like if we're going to go to war or if we're going to talk about any kind of spiritual warfare, and this is, I believe, week three in 2009 of this series that we did. So I'm going to rip off week, week three and, and just reteach it today. But, but I want to talk about the armor of God because if there's any kind of war, you should go with some sort of weaponry, right? With some sort of protection. You should go with, with something into battle um, that, that you're going to use for battle, obviously, an armor. So I want to go to verse 10 and of uh, Ephesians chapter 6. And let's just read through it just so you can know what we're talking about. We'll stop at 18, okay? J- just flow with me here. Verse 10, it says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor. How much of God's armor are we to put on? Yeah, all of God's armor. That's important, right? Not, not a believer who just is half-dressed. You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, uh, because there's a lot of that. But not a believer that is just half-dressed, but a believer who is what? Fully dressed in the armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God, all of it. Why? Why do I put on the armor of God? So that you will be able to... Stand firm against the strategies of the devil. I want to stand firm. For we are not fighting, here it is, against flesh and blood. 
but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. There it is. Here it is right here in Ephesians. Paul to the church of Ephesus. We're not fighting against each other, though many of us are choosing to. For a believer, that's not what it's about. We don't have time to bicker and complain and be worried about each other. Like, like we can't fight with each other. We need to fight for each other. It's, it's like we can't be battling with one another. There's no time for that. Why? Because Paul says we're not fighting against each other. We're, we're fighting against evil rulers, authorities. We're, we're fighting against mighty powers. We're fighting against evil spirits that are in, the, in another realm. It's called heavenly places. Stop this and, and get into this stuff. And that's what Paul is really urging the church to do. I'm guessing Ephesus has had some problems, huh? And it says in verse 13, therefore, therefore, because we're fighting an unseen realm, therefore, you put on every piece of God's armor. Don't just walk out to battle with a helmet on. They're going to stab you in the chest. Don't just go out with a breastplate. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna knock you in the head. You guys see what I'm saying? Put on the whole armor. Put every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy. Verse 13, right? In the time of evil. So in the time of evil, evil has its time. It comes and it goes. It comes sometimes as waves. You see it. One day a tower comes down, another day this goes down. I mean, there's always forms of evil and it comes in, in waves. And, and you see it in your family, right? The, 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 uh, the, the, the fighting and the bitterness and, 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 and all of that stuff, is, it's deeper than what it shows and manifests in the physical. The fighting, the bickering, and the manifestation that's happening in our world is because of something that is happening in the spiritual realm. Welcome to our world. That's the things that we go against here. That's the stuff we're talking about here. That's the stuff like when you put on the news and you hear about a young girl getting raped. Yeah. There's evil in the midst of that. Yeah. There's something that went wrong there in the midst of that. So, so put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. In the time of evil, then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground. So notice there's a battle, but we will still be standing firm if we put on the whole armor. Stand your ground. You've met anyone that has stopped standing their ground, they've just disappeared and they're no longer fighting for the things of God because this happened and because that and because this, well, well, well get dressed again and let's go to, let's go to war, let's, let's battle. Stand your ground. You can't lose your ground. Put on the belt of truth, the body of armor of God's righteousness, the breastplate, your shoes, put, on the, put them on for peace that comes from the good news that you'll be fully prepared in addition Hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the, of the devil. 17, put on salvation as your helmet. Take the sword also of the spirit, which is the word of God. And, and, and then verse 18, I'll, I'll end it with this. Uh, pray, pray, pray. Look at the person next to you say pray. pray. Yeah, how, how much do you pray? How well do you pray? Do you even pray? Is there a time during the day that you prayed? Have you prayed this whole week? Pray. Pray in the what? How do you pray? Pray in the what? Pray in the what? Pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. I don't know what to pray. Get into the spirit and just let, let it come out. Let things just happen. Just pray, pray. I don't know what to pray. Just start opening your mouth. The spirit will lead you what to pray. Just pray, pray. God will start bringing things to your attention, to your mind. Pray in the spirit at all times, on every occasion, when, all the time, in every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. What does that mean? You need to pray. Pray, pray, pray because there's others around you that need your prayer. Pray, 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 pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for your wife. Pray for your children. Pray for your friend. Pray for your church. Pray for your neighbor. Pray for your cousin. Pray for your brother. Pray for your 
your sister. Pray, pray. Why? Because, because if you're okay spiritually, trust me, there's, there might be a chance that they're not doing good. They might know what it is to live with evil. Pray, pray constantly. You with me yet? Yes. All right, let's get into this. Verse 10. Verse 10. Everyone put your eyes on verse 10 as we go back and we visit it again and, and we look at Ephesians chapter 6, 10 and it says again, I'm, I'll read it to you one more time. It says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I, I love that because as we look at that, what is Paul really teaching us? Let, let, we're just going to go verse by verse and we're going to learn this together. What, what is Paul really telling us? Things that he's told other churches already, things that he's written in other letters already. In our, in our own strength, we're not much of a match for anyone or for anything. You should write that in your notes. In my own strength, I am no good for nothing. For anything. I'm no good. And I'm definitely no match for the enemy and for the host of wickedness and all forms of darkness that arises in my own strength. Any, any ameners in here? So... So what is it that I have to do according to verse 10? Well, I need to be aware then, aware of all. What do you think you need to be aware of? I know what I need to be aware of, so I'm just going to be transparent because I love to be transparent. So I need to be aware of my own weaknesses. I need to be aware of my weaknesses because if the enemy or if any flesh or any darkness is going to rise up against me, I think I know where it's going to attack me. What? In the weaknesses that I continue to flirt with, that I continue to entangle myself with. We are continuing to receive our strength in, in the Lord, in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, it says. In the power of his might. There, there is nothing found in this text. Nothing found in our own strength. There is nothing in our own strength. Because I know, because I've been there, any forms of enemies will pound on me and will have his way in me and on me if I do it in my own strength. So what do I have to do? And I'm just going to pick on myself for a moment because I would hate for any of you to say, man, he's just picking on me. I want the word to do what it needs to do in your own heart. But what needs to happen is I need to humble myself. Anyone here needs to humble themselves with, my, with me? We need to humble ourselves and, and we need to what? lower our pride. Get over that stuff, huh? And, and know that, man, I'm... I'm weak, but it's okay because scripture teaches me that God uses the weak things. Yes. So, so I can't be so prideful to miss out on my weaknesses. I need to be humble enough to understand what my weaknesses are and give those weaknesses to the Lord and then recognize that in those weaknesses, the Lord uses the weak things of this world. Yes. So I could use my weak things to put to shame the things that are so-called mighty. That's crazy. The weak will, will put to shame what is mighty because, because why? Why do the weak put to shame what is mighty? Because scripture says it's through his strength. It's 1 Corinthians, a, a, a reference verse if you want to write it down. Chapter 1, verse 27. 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, verse 27. You can write that down. You know what it says? It says, God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things which are mighty. So, so why should I be strong in the Lord? Why put on these garments, this armor, as Paul writes it? He goes on, and even in the chapter, in the chapter before, chapter 6, verse, in, in chapter 5, verse 15 and 16, he goes on, he says this, because the days are evil. <laughs> yeah, they are. I mean, a hurricane hits here, and you had people looting and, 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 and brickle and breaking through wind. Like, come on, come on. That's someone's business. Come on, that's, that's someone's money. Come on, that's someone's family. Come on, that's someone's home. The days are evil. That's what Ephesians 5, 
15 and 16 tells us, because the days are evil. So, so what, is, what else does Paul tell us in chapter 5? So walk, this is good, walk carefully, not as fools, but walk carefully as wise. As wise men and women. Wise children of God. Make the most of every opportunity, Ephesians 5 says, verse 16. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. So we're, in, we're, we're living in evil days. Okay, good. Make the most of every opportunity because God's given the light and opportunity in this darkness. In whose strength? Not your own strength. Not your own strength. No match in your own strength. But in his strength. In his strength. Verse 11, let's keep reading because I could say so much more on verse 10. But verse 11, he goes and he says, you put on, you put on all of God's armor. You put all of it on so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies. All the strategies. You, you, you be strong in the Lord and you put the whole armor of God. Completely armed. We can risk having one thing missing and be pierced in that area. And, and we do this. Why, why should I, verse 11, put on the whole armor so that I could stand against the tricks, so I could stand against strategies of the devil. You know when a, when a battle is fought or when a game is played, there's a lot of studying that goes on before that game or before that war even starts. The, the, the terrain is studied. The, the, the other camp is studied. If it's a game, you know, the weather of that city, how the wind flows in that stadium. They study each player, each move, each weakness. And, and you know that you know that if you go to any coach's, um, coach's corner and you say, well, what are, you, what are you studying in the game tape for next week's game? You'd be amazed by what they tell you. Maybe you won't be so amazed, but you know what they'll tell you? Oh, we're just studying the weaknesses of our opponent because that's exactly what we're going to attack. So if you know anything about sports, there's a cornerback and he is responsible for covering one of the other guys and he's a defender. He plays defense. If that guy's weak, we're going to go at him all day and make moves on him. We're going to attack the weakness. And it's the same thing in battle. If they're weak in a certain area, they look at the mountains, they look at the valleys, they look at certain aspects of what they're going to go to war in, and they say, we're going to attack the areas that are weak because if we could find the weakness, that's what we're going to hit at. That's what we're going to go at. That's what we're going to go at. And if we could destroy them in their weakness, then, then we're going to conquer them. And, and here's verse 11, and it's teaching us to put on the whole armor of God because there are strategies and there are tricks that are coming against us, and his strategies are, are different each time. They vary. They will try to What are some of his strategies? Ever been discouraged? It doesn't have to always be for men. It doesn't have to always be a weakness that you think it might be for women. It might have an obvious weakness that it might be for, for marriages. It doesn't have to be a, an obvious weakness for single people. It, doesn't have, it could be as easy as just having you drown in discouragement. It could be so many different ways in how he could come in and frustrate you maybe, confuse you, twist things around, twist what people say, twist what... The word even says he tries to destroy you. The enemies in this world try to destroy you one way or another. If one method doesn't work, he attacks and he attacks in another way. And that weakness which you continue, continue, continue to express and continue not to give it to the Lord but to bask in it. He knows it and he knows your weakest points. And what he'll do is he'll point right at it and he'll go right at it. So I want us to know that, that know your weakness because the enemy knows it as well. And, and I want you to recognize instead of giving it to the enemy to use it as a playground, use it for the Lord to use it for his glory. 
because I could grab my weaknesses because I have many, so I could testify of weaknesses, a man up here with many weaknesses. And I could choose each day to either give them to God, which sometimes I fail. And man, does it suck when I fail to give it to God. Anyone with me on that one? And then there's, an, uh, there's also a, another moment where I could, I could just give it to God and let him be glorified in it. Know my weakness. Don't give it to the enemy. Having a realistic view of who Satan is. I want to go through the scripture real quick. I I don't have too much time to go in it and give a whole study on it. But it's in Ezekiel chapter 29. And and I just want to give you a little description. I I shared this in 17.9, do the math, but in 2009. and, And I shared a little bit of how the enemy can be described as. And in Ezekiel 29 Verses 11 through all the way down, if you really want. You could read a little bit of the description of our, of our enemy that we battle against and against Satan. But, but look, at, look at some of these descriptions. It says, to the enemy, you were the model of perfection. You were full of wisdom and exquisite um, in, in beauty. You were, you were clothed and adorned with every precious stone. And then, because I can't even pronounce some of these stones... I mean, it goes on, it tells him everything that he was adorned with and dressed with. I mean, onyx, green, jasper, I mean, beautiful, right? And then he says, you were beautifully crafted. Everything was beautifully crafted for you and set in its finest gold that were given to you on the day you were created. He says, I ordained you and I anointed you as the mighty angelic guardian. He says, you were blameless in, in all that you did from the day that you were created. I mean, I mean, what a way to describe our enemy. Beautiful, adorned, many jewels, many ways in which he was beautiful. So when I think about that, the enemy is going to present himself in ways that are not obvious. And he's not going to come with hot breath. And and you've heard that preached here. And he's not going to come in an obvious way. He's not going to show up to you and say, here I am. I am Lucifer in the flesh. But my God, he might come in and he might look so good. Darkness might come in. It might taste so good. It might come in and it might confuse you so much. Because, you know, it doesn't always happen like that. It doesn't always happen in such an obvious way. If you study the scriptures, almost every time it happens, it's in a deceiving, trickery manner. It's in a way when you least expected it, he appeared himself in such beauty that you fell for it. And because we don't align things with the word of God, we thought just because it had the appearance of beautiful, it has to be of God. I'm going to tell you something, that not everything that has the appearance of beautiful is of God. Just want to make sure you understand that. I don't care what she says to you. I don't care what he says to you. He told, he, girls, he told you he fasted 12 times this last year. Listen to me. Everything that has the appearance of beautiful is not always of God. The perfect job that sounds perfect when you get into it, right? It wasn't as perfect as you thought. I'm just trying to make sure you understand that. I want to make sure you get that. Let's keep going to verse 12 as we... Get dressed for a moment here in our armor. We haven't even jumped into the full armor yet. But in verse 12, it says this. It says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We're fighting against evil rulers, authorities of this unseen world. Isn't that crazy? Doesn't that kind of give you some chills down your back? Like, you're fighting against rulers. I love that, right? Because you guys only think that you're fighting against a ruler. How about if I just flip the script on you and say, you're not just fighting against ruler. You're fighting against rulers. Just like Satan, many others, ruler, rulers of this world. You're fighting against rulers. And, and it goes on, and, and he says, and it says this in, in verse 12, just come with me. 
He says, evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark. This is the word of God calling these things that we fight against mighty powers in this dark world. And against evil spirits in these heavenly places. I want to make sure you understand that evil is not locked in hell. Some of you guys, evil is locked in your house. Okay, but, but you know what I mean. <laughs> it's locked in your car. It's locked in. I, I don't got to go to hell or find evil. I just wake up and, okay, but you guys know what I mean. Loosen up a little bit. You guys got me nervous today, you know. You should see your faces today. I know it's a serious topic, but you're the light. You win. All right, let's keep going. But, but evil's not locked in and, and locked up. Evil is actually still running rampant and loose. And it's still trying to think it's going to win. Evil and all its forces, Satan is just one branch of it. But evil and all its forces is, is out there for the taking. And, and that's what we need to get ready for. All around us daily, there's dark forces surrounding us. And, and you could see these things. Just think about how television has changed. Just think about how media has changed. Just think about how electronics have changed and, and how fast and how rampant and, and, and how, how, how quickly we could, we could be so intoxicated with things that, that could be used for good, but then they turn to be used for bad in our lives. That, that things that we are called, like Adam and Eve were, to have dominion over now start to have dominion over us. You know what I'm saying? You've seen the person that doesn't even look where they're driving and they're about to crash because the phone has more dominion over them than they do over the phone. And, and whatever, I'm not going to be one of those pastors that said, every iPhone is from the devil. Huh? No, I'm not going to do that because you can use them for good, and I have one. And, and sometimes it is a devil in my life. I'm not going to lie about that. But, but you have to have dominion over things, and you need to not allow the beast and the things of this world to overwhelm you. And, and, and here's verse 12, and all around us, whether it's TV and music, whether it's coworkers, whether it's your very own family, friends, our real battles is not with man in the midst of everything that's going on around us. Our real battle is with the demonic forces that might be working through man. Yes. That's the truth. Amen. That is the truth because I don't have time, but, but the demonic loves to host. And, and sometimes the host is people and they need to host in people to reveal its demonic plans. And so, so don't be scared about that. When you look at someone and you hear about a shooting and you hear about a killing and you hear about a rape and you hear about a stabbing and you hear about a fight and you hear about a... Jealousy, and you hear about bitterness, and you hear about contention. Recognize in the spiritual, I'm not going to get involved in this thing because I recognize that it's deeper than what it is. There's something probably wrong spiritually. There's something that's there, and our real battle is is with those things. Galatians 5:1, as it pairs up with verse 12 of Ephesians 6, says, "Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free." And what? And what? Stand fast and what? And, and, and oh yeah, and don't you think about being entangled again. And don't be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Yeah, Christ sets you free, and you're free indeed. But it's so easy for you to go back and get entangled again. Be very careful that you don't entangle yourself again with the things that Christ has set you free from. You've ever been driving? You've ever been walking? You've ever been laying on your bed? You've ever been sitting on your couch? And something just comes. Come on. It just comes. You guys know exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm going to irritate you for a little while, but it's okay. It just comes. And when it comes, 
And when it comes, and when it comes, and when it comes, you automatically know that it's wrong, yes or no? Yes. Now, you either do it or you don't, though it's coming, though it's there. You either do it or you don't. Right there, right there is the battle. It's presented itself. Why? Because that's your weakness. It showed up. Now, what are you going to do? Are you going to give in? You're going to give it out. That, that's it. And I'm sure a lot of us have given in to a lot of times of it. And many of you have had victory in, in, in other times of it. But it's, it's coming or it's come or it's there right now. And, and should I call or, or should I turn it on or, or should I go over there or should I? Do not be entangled again. If, if, if that comes in, remember that, that, yeah, you've been set free. But what is the true set freeness of this? That, that your mindset has been set free from, yes, this is not proper. This is not right. So I have to now fight against it to not indulge in it. Because my mindset has been revealed in its truth that this is wrong. So though it might be pleasing, though it might feel right, I'm going to go against it because of what the truth and the word of God says. So here it goes. I'm going to get dressed and I'm going to go into battle against this one. Or I, because I'm talking about me personally, could just say, but this is just who I am, and I'm just weak, so I'm just going to go into it, and I'm going to be conquered yet again from that thing that came. Just like you, every single one is different, but every single one here has a weakness that comes. Every single one of you here, okay, who you are, and you could come up to me and say, I've casted off 15 demons, and I'm a prayer warrior, and I've, you have weaknesses too. And you speak in tongues and you see visions and you prophesy. You have weaknesses too. You guys understand me? But what do you do with them when they get attacked? Is the armor of God on? Or do you allow it to conquer you? True believers need to know that, man, Christ has set me free. Just with the mindset of I know what's true and what's not. That's the greatest freedom I have. Just because I know now. That's the greatest freedom I have. So we're free so now I can't be entangled again. The Greek word for free here, listen to this, write this down if you want in your notes. The Greek word for free means to liberate or to deliver, to make that person free, to deliver them once and for all. So when I think about the word free for a moment, I, I believe this even in my own life, that it, that it starts there with my mindset. Because I do have some things that, are, that still come. That still come. But just because they come, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that that's what I have to do. My mindset has been free. I've been liberated to know the truth. So it doesn't mean that, that all my weaknesses, maybe they're not all free from me yet and gone from me yet, but my mindset has, has been freed. And now how am I going to live and give into those weaknesses or fight against those weaknesses? weaknesses? So when you look at verse 12, there. We look at this and, well, there's nothing here to fear. I, I can't fear these forces that verse 12 is telling me. I, I can't fear the Satan and any demonic force. I can't fear any demonic realm, any demons. Because if I'm a child of God, I know one thing. I, I know that he's given me the freedom of mind. I know he's given me the freedom to, to seek him in, in the midst of such pressures. Because John 8, 36 says that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And I have access to the throne of grace. I, I can communicate with him. And if Christ has set me free, I can't allow demonic oppressions in my life and 
and demonic forces to continue to have power and control over me. I can't pay so much mind to Satan and to these dark forces and, and to believe for a moment that he has power over me. I need to recognize that at the end of everything and with all weaknesses, I got to come to his word and know that his word has power over everything that may attack me. It's what do I do when it comes. I love Romans 8, verse 38 and 39, when Paul writes, Paul's a beast, right? For I am persuaded. It's like we're just teaching on Paul's letters. I am persuaded that neither death nor life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, height, depth, any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's no way that he has power, power over the truth of this in our lives. No way. We are in a spiritual warfare. But in John 16, Jesus, it says this. It says that in Jesus you have peace and in the world you will have tribulation, Jesus says. But be of good cheer because I've overcome this world. We're in a spiritual warfare. And I think when Jesus says be of good peace because I've overcome this world, he wasn't just talking about earth. He was talking about I've overcome this world. I'm, I've overcome what you see and I've also overcome the unseen. Be of good peace. When tribulation comes, I've overcome. What does that mean for you? You are also an overcomer in Christ Jesus. Amen? You have peace in Christ because he's made you free. He's overcome and there's an overcomer in you. Verse 13, let's read it for a moment. It says this. It says, therefore you put on what? Every what? Yeah, every piece of God's armor. So that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And after battle, you will still be standing firm we're either attacked, we're being attacked, we were attacked, or we're going to be attacked. We understand we're in one of those three places. But whether we like it or not, darkness is here, darkness is there, darkness is after us, but we're to rise higher than that. I love Isaiah chapter 59. If you're taking notes, write this down. Isaiah 59, 19. It talks about when the enemy, and when the enemy comes in like a flood. How many of you have ever experienced that in your very own personal life, the enemy coming in like a flood? But the, the Bible says, well, the Spirit of the Lord lifts up a standard against that flood of the enemy. You, you, you raise up a banner. He can attack in seasons. He could, he could attack in waves. And he's gonna, he might try to come in. But, but what do we do? We don't give in. We rise up. We, we go to battle with it. We don't just lay there and allow it to overcome us. Welcome to our world. It's a world that we're battling against. Battling against dark forces. How many of you have woken up and you said, this isn't the right thinking? You started early in the morning, just already fighting. Right there, how'd you get dressed? Did you give in, start off your day giving in? Or did you raise up a standard, a banner against it? Maybe it's not hunting season right now, but, but there is a hunting season in your life. And the enemy will try to come in. But Luke 4.13 says, and when the devil, in Jesus' life, when the devil had ended all of the temptation upon Christ, when the devil had ended all of the temptation he departed from him for a season. So whatever you're in and whatever you're going through and whatever you're encountering, you get ready. You stay ready. You get dressed. You don't fear. What do you do? What do I do, Pastor? You take up the whole armor. You get dressed completely. Amen? Believe it or not, we're almost done. Let's go to verse 14 with for a moment. Verse 14. In verse 14 it says, it says, stand your ground. Again, notice, stand firm, stand your ground. Be, notice the continual phrases that Paul uses. Stand your ground. Put on the belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness, the breastplate. Gird your waist with truth. It, it, there's a spiritual enemy, and he's strong, and we must put on the 
armor. And the first thing he says, write this down. Number one, you gird your waist. What do I gird my waist with? With truth. You know why? Because if you don't gird your waist, everything will be exposed. So, so, so put on a belt. Tie up your pants. Because you don't want to flash the world. Like, like gird yourself with truth. Put on the belt of truth. The, gird your waist. You need to know that, 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 that what we battle against, listen to the scripture, calls him a father of lies. huh? And he's a father of lies. And, and if we're to defeat the father of lies, then we need to be rooted. And guess what? Not in lies with him. Trust me, he's the father of it. He's going to beat you in lies. If you're going to battle the father of lies, you battle the father of lies with what? With the father of truth. You know the truth. If you're going to defeat him, you need to be rooted in that, faithful and holding it. No dishonest Christian will withstand the father of lies. The truth will always hold him back, repels him. And the truth is something the enemy cannot stand on and will never be able to stand on. We're to put on what scripture says in verse 14, the belt of truth. We're to hold strong to the truth of God's word. All things are held by the truth of his word. All things, the Bible says, shall pass, but his word will remain forever, the word of, the, forever the word of God says. It's his word that keeps things together. It's his word that keeps us together. You know what? It's so powerful. It's his word that has hell's destiny and holds it together. Every fallen angel, every demonic force, it's his word that has their destiny. Your appearance in the new Jerusalem, it's his word that grants you that admission. Wow. I have access to the throne. Well, who do you think you are? Through his word. His word says so, so I believe it. His word is it. All things are held. His, his word is it. So what does his word say about your issue, about your oppression, about your depression, about your weight? Uh, weight, I mean weight, like the weight on you. Whatever. What does it say about your lifestyle? What does it say about you? What, what does the truth say? Are you allowing, are you allowing the, the truth of God's word to do what it's intended to do? I love what scripture says, right? Is it a mirror to the one who stands before it? Do you stand before the word of God and is it a mirror before you? Reveal, what does a mirror do? Revealing the truth of the man who stands there. You know, it's, it's powerful. You know, when kings in the Old Testament or even before that or within that, when kings would go out to battle, they just wouldn't go out to battle for fun sake. Hey, we're going to go to war and we're going to try to take land. No. They said, call the prophets of God over here. Sometimes it was the false prophets. And then the good kings would call the prophets of the true and living God of Yahweh and and when they would call the prophets of God, they said, what has God revealed to you? What, what is the word of God spoken to you? Because a prophet, a prophet was the mouthpiece of God. So what has the word of God spoken to you? And, and many of these kings, if they were wise and they were prophets of God, whatever that prophet said, and if they did it, they would receive victory. You saw at times in David's life, there was victory. But then you saw at times when he didn't listen to the, the prophet of God, there was defeat. So, so what I'm trying to tell you is, even in the Old Testament, we see kings going to battle. They will call on the Lord to inquire, to hear the word of God, to decide what to do. How is it in your life? Do you inquire from the word of God to decide? Do you know the truth? Because eventually it's only that truth that will be able to set you free. So how do you stand before it? Number two, write this down, the breastplate of righteousness. Put it on. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. You know, when, when you study this passage and you do an in-depth study on it, it is said that Paul wrote this letter. And as he wrote this letter, he most likely was being guarded right outside where two were Roman, we don't know if it's two, but Roman soldiers right outside. 
And as Paul was writing this to Ephesians 6 to the church, to the church, he was looking at what the Roman guard was wearing, and God was giving him revelation over every piece that the man was wearing, the soldier. And in those days, the breastplate of the soldiers would, would, would not just cover the front, but also the back as well. And it would guard him completely in all aspects of, of the soldier's life. I love 2 Corinthians 5.21 as we look at number 2, the breastplate of righteousness. It says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. When I look at this and I see what Paul writes to the church of Corinth, I say, man, I got to know who I am. That I am the righteousness in God through Jesus Christ. That through Jesus' act on the cross, he passed what? His righteousness to me. I'm a sinner, but he exchanged my sin for his righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. He gave me that. Because trust me, in me and in you, there is no righteousness. But he lets us wear a breastplate of righteousness. And it protects vital organs. It protects the heart. And Philippians, it says what? To guard your heart. Guard your minds through Jesus Christ. Protect. You have a righteousness now that comes from him. Guard that. Take advantage of that. Put on the breastplate. So that when the enemy assaults and attacks you, you're not going to be vulnerable. You won't be defeated. You won't be shamed. You'll be able to look at him and say, I was waiting for you the whole time. In your family, I was waiting for this. In your neighborhood, I was waiting for this. Don't allow him to have part of your heart. He'll bring people. He'll bring flattering things. But what am I trying to say? Don't be vulnerable to his tricks, to his methods. Christ, Christ could have thought, man, I'm defeated. He was at a vulnerable place. He was put to shame naked on a cross. But he didn't. And we're not to put on the breastplate, fortify my heart against the attacks of the enemy. Because my heart, man, it's weak already as it is. So I got to fortify it and I got to guard it all the time. How many of you could say amen? As we flow through this, verse 15 and 16, and we out, it says this. Ready? Verse 15 says, for the shoes, put on the shoes of peace. It comes, and it's the good news that you'll be fully prepared. In Isaiah 52, 7, as a side verse there, it says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace and who brings glad tidings of good things. And who proclaims salvation. I don't have time to share this, but in 2 Samuel 18, David was in his palace. And his son, Saul, um, his son Absalom was out to kill him and go to war with him. And Absalom wanted the throne and they had a lot of problems, him and his son Absalom. Well, they went to war and eventually, long story short, Absalom gets killed and dies. So they send one of the men to run to David and to give David news. There was others that came too to give David news and they basked. In the death of Absalom. Well, it didn't go good for them because David, even in the evil that his son had in his heart, still loved his son Absalom. But when the first man came running, some of David's servants went up to David in 2 Samuel chapter 18 and says, David, there's a man coming and we see him and he comes alone. And David, well, David asks, he goes, is he come alone? He goes, yes, he's by himself. And David tells his servants, he says, he comes to bring good news. He comes from the terrain, he comes from battle. And, and, and this Isaiah 52, 7, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. It's, it's, biblically, it's a vision of feet of one who runs from battle, who's coming back from battle to give some sort of news of victory. And David recognizes and says, how are my enemies? He says, they're all destroyed. 
And that servant was wise because when he asked, how about my son Absalom? He said, sir, I have no knowledge of that right now. <laughs> wise because it wouldn't have been good for him if he would have given that bad news. But he said, everything that comes against you, king, is, is destroyed. And, 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 and it's an imagery that, that across the mountains, away from the battle, there's a city that needs to hear the good news of a war that has taken place. There is a people that need a victorious deliverance because there's someone that is fighting a battle for them. The good news of glad tidings, it's then revealed to us in Christ Jesus as he leaves his throne and he, he comes to take on that, that cross and that shameful death. To then resurrect, to then put on us shoes of peace and of good news to tell the world, hey, there was a battle that was fought on Calvary. And Christ has won it. And these shoes testify as I come running to you that there's good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. I want you to write something in your notes as we talk about the shoes for your feet. Your salvation, please take this serious, is the world's salvation. And the enemy will do whatever he can to put weight on your feet. So that you don't take that word of salvation to others. To stop you from traveling forth with the good news. Ever experienced that before? You should have said something, but he dropped the weight on you and you didn't say it. You should have gone, but you never went. Put on the shoes because the shoes have a message that speaks for itself. Put on all of your armor. And then he says, you put on the shield of faith. Why the shield of faith, number four? Number four, because flaming arrows, fiery arrows are coming to penetrate you. But there's a shield that defends against it. The ancient Roman soldier would wear a fireproof shield to help them from these fiery darts. And the assaults of Satan in our lives as well, we need to put on this shield of faith and carry it. And that shield represents our faith. That when lies come, we lift up our shield. And when strongholds are presented again, and Tito said something in worship, and he said, stop praying for anxiety. When anxiety rises up again, you lift up your shield of faith against it again. And says, not today. The darts will not penetrate today. The soldier takes on the shield of faith. So when fiery darts of the wicked one comes at him, they hit the shield. They fall harmlessly to the ground. Faith, faith, faith is the firm confidence in the Lord and in his word. When temptations burn, when circumstances are adverse, when doubts come strong, when shipwrecks threaten, like in Paul's life, when you, you look at all these things and faith looks up and says, I believe in God. How many of you know the, the burn feeling of temptation? Well, when it burns, you... You lift up the shield of faith and you say, no. Second Corinthians 4, 8, 9 says, we are hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Verse 9, we are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. Yes, there's a spiritual war, but there is a fighter and a victor in me. There is a conqueror in me. I have a shield of faith that looks upon every fiery dart 1 John 5, 4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith 
overcomes all darkness that this world might harm you with. In Hebrews 11, if you go home and you read verses 13 through 16, every single one of those men and women died. But guess what? They died with their faith. One of the greatest gifts that God has given you is your faith. To know something. To know something's there without seeing it. It's there. I have faith. And the last one, you put on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. Those last two things. I've broken down the helmet of salvation. I talked about guarding your heart. But you also guard your thoughts. And you also guard your mind as well. Because if the enemy gets into your mind, he figures it's just a matter of time till you're living out in your sin. When Eve was walking down the garden, the Bible says that she looked at it and it was pleasing. It was pleasing. It was a desirable thing to her eyes. I think that Eve didn't just grab it and took it for one day. I believe she passed by that tree. She looked at that fruit that God told her not to eat from. And she took it home every day. And she was wrestling with it every day. And that thing kept coming every day. And it kept coming every day. And she had to make a decision. Are you going to walk back to that tree, that thing that looks desirable, that is actually not good for you at all? Or will you refrain from it? Or will you... Separate yourself from it. And every day I believe she battled with it. And I believe she was the first example of it. A spiritual attack in her life. She was vulnerable. She saw that it was desirable. She might have been hungry. She saw that it was attractive. It would fulfill my vulnerability. Maybe you're vulnerable and and there's something that you're looking at. Like, well, it's going to fill this empty hole in my life. You really think that those things are going to fill that empty hole? Take a bite. It's going to make the hole even deeper going to be worse you're at a you're at a vulnerable place you're not looking at the tree right you're not looking at the fruit right it might look and taste desirable but it's actually really bad for you keep your mind off sin keep your mind on the lord and all this truth the bible says in romans 8 for those who live according to the flesh they set their minds on the things of the flesh but to those who live according to the spirit they keep their mind on the things of the spirit for to be carnally minded is actually death But to be spiritually minded, it's life and it's peace. Keep your mind on Jesus, on his word, on life. Yes, there's a tree. And yes, it looks desirable. And my God, does it taste good. But trust me, guard your mind. It's not good. It would make the dark hole even darker and deeper. There's a war that you're in. Fight it. Put on the helmet of salvation. How many of you could say today, I'm going to put it on the whole armor? Isaiah says he has... Made my mouth like a sharp sword. The last one, the sword of the spirit. I love Isaiah 55, 10, 11. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and they stay on the ground of the water of the earth. And they cause the grain to grow and produces seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It should not return to me void. It will not return to me empty. Without fruit. It will accomplish all that I want it to do. It will prosper everywhere I send it. Think about the theories of this world, the traditions of men, the scientific ideas. Not us. Our sword of offense, and it's the only offensive weapon we have. It's the word of truth. And it's it's caused to defeat all these things. It's certain, but... We need to use his word, and and God has promised that if we use his word and we use this sword properly, there's a promise to bless it. Jesus, 
all in and out, was tempted by Satan, tempted by Satan. And each time he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. Why? Because he recognized, he recognized that there is power in the word. The sword of the spirit is used to resist Satan's temptations. For the word of God, Hebrews 4, 12 and 13 is full of living power. It is sharper than the sharpest knife. It cuts deep into the innermost thoughts and desires. It exposes us for what you really are and who you really are. Verse 13, Hebrews 4. Nothing in all creation can hide from the word of God. Nothing can hide from him. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. This is the God to whom we must explain all that we have done. The sword of the Spirit has a power that unless you don't start using it, you'll never know that it power, the power that it has and the blessing that comes from using it. There is a land that is unfruitful, but if you start swinging your sword, you might start seeing fruit come back into the land again. The sword of the Spirit, use it as your only weapon, as a fence to bring God's fruitfulness. Amen? And I end with verse 18 when he says, pray. What do I do now? I pray. And you pray in the spirit at all times. On every occasion, you stay alert. You be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And as we close off on that note, on pray, with all reverence, before we start dismissing and before we go our way, I want you to recognize what verse 18 is saying. Without prayer, all the armor in the world would be of no use. He, he says pray, pray always. Specific petitions and pray, even general prayers, just pray in the spirit. For all believers, he says here, and in all occasions. and Persevere and be patient, perseverance and patience and, and, and continue to pray. It's essential in your prayer life. Pray, pray for each other. Pray for all the brothers who might need it. Because there's a, there's a world and, that we live in, you know. When someone accepts the Lord and we say, welcome to our world. It's a beautiful world. And it's a beautiful promise that comes. But when we say welcome to our world, it's also, a, it's also a, an amazing battle that, that we're going to fight in together now. So it's almost like saying if there's anyone here that's never accepted Jesus and, and today you know God's calling your name. And you know today he wants to make your heart his home. And today he, he wants to transform your life. I, I will tell you the truth. All things are better. All things are, trust me, on this side the grass is greener. The only time it's greener, baby. All things are better. The promise that awaits is better. Eternity that comes is better. Trust me, it's better. But, but with that betterness, there comes a, a fight, a battle, a world of wrestling, a battling with the spiritual dimensions that, that you would have never even thought and imagined. So, so as you come to Christ and you take that stand in Christ, also recognize that it's also a stance in I'm ready to go to war. And fight against darkness each day of my life because of the light that has transformed my life forever. Amen? I'm going to ask you to just examine your heart and close your eyes as we close off. And Lord, thank you. Out of, a lot of passage, a lot of scripture, a lot of 
verses, a lot of references, a lot of stuff that we couldn't even get into. A lot of the whole armor of God, we could teach on one each week for months and we'd still have more space to continue to talk on it. But Lord, I pray that there was something that was said about each one. And maybe someone here could recognize like, man, I know that in my life I'm not fully dressed. I know that in my life I've been exposing parts of my of myself and that's why I'm at a place where I'm at. I, I know that there's a spiritual dimension. I know that there's a there's an enemy that I'm battling against every day and I need to get things right. I, I, I know what's missing. I got to put on the helmet. I got to put on the belt. I got to put on the shoes. I got to put on the breastplate. I got to carry the shield. I got to hold on to the sword. And Lord, whatever it might be in their lives that, that today they would make a a confession to say, I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to do everything that Paul writes. I'm going to stand firm. I'm going to, I'm going to hold my ground. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to go back and I'm going to read these things. And, and Lord, I'm going to get into the truth and battle these lies. And I'm going to give my weaknesses into your hands rather than into his hands. And I want you to put to shame my, with my weaknesses, the, the mighty things of this world, put, put them to shame. Use this foolish thing. This foolish man with, with foolish weaknesses to, to put to shame the things that are wise. Lord, use me because I know that every day that I live in this life, there is attack after attack even on my own life. But allow me to choose what is right. Allow me not to turn my head when it should be looking straight. Allow me not to turn left when I should be aiming straight. Allow me not to waver. Allow me, Lord God, to stay on the path. A path that is nonetheless less traveled, but, but allow me to stay on it. I don't want to travel down the broad which ways, which end is destruction and hell, but I want to I stay traveling on the, on the narrow path, on, on the road which is less traveled, which very few are those who find it, but whose end is eternal life. I know that in that narrow, that narrow road, in that path which is a little bit, harder for us I know there's a promise that awaits us at the end and it's my eternity in you but give me the give me the strength to put on the whole armor that I will be able to withstand all that darkness throws my way I pray that over every person that's here I want to sing a song and I want you just to get your hearts right before we go before we dismiss I want you to really just um, I guess Start right now with what we ended with. Pray. Pray, pray. And, and if you need prayer, I, I, I'll, the altar's open. Come up. I'll, I'll join you and, and I'll just come alongside with you and pray with you. And if you've never accepted Jesus, come up and, and, and look at us and say, I want to accept Jesus right now. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. And, and we'll look at you in the eyes and pray with you and say, welcome to our world. Let's fight. Let's battle. Let's Let's put on the armor and go to war every day. So if you need prayer to get dressed, come up here and get dressed. Or if you need salvation today, I want you to not just stay up here quiet, but I want you to grab us as we pray for you and say, I need salvation, and we're going to pray with you. And we're going to tell you, welcome to our world. Now let's fight. So the altar's open if you want to come up. But if not, if you're all right, you're a dandy, and you're wearing the full armor, I want you right there just to ask the Lord to continue to strengthen you, to continue to build you up, to continue to... Hold up your faith. 
keep my, keep my helmet on and my breastplate and my belt, my shoes and my sword and my shield. Keep it on me. And I will continue to fight your battles. Come on, let's, let's worship him in song and get our hearts right. And if you need prayer, the altar is open. And let's come and pray together if you need so.